0: Hello, it's yours truly. I can't be really. And on today's episode, we get to discuss tech. The episode is titled Tech Safe Africa, and we discuss in a two-part series lots of interesting ideas that we believe could be incredibly impactful to the continent. I really hope you enjoy <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akenade Aderele, and I'm here with three magnificent, wonderful guests, some of the smartest people on Earth. They're here to discuss some of the uh, wonderful ideas about uh, the African continent. And they're all associated with the technology industry um, and software development and all, of but all the things that, for some of us, we very much understand. But for some of us, we have no clue. We just know that these people are smart and they make a lot of money. Um, but I have three wonderful guests here with me today. And I'm going to have themselves, uh, them introduce themselves in an alphabetical-ish manner. Um, we'll start with uh, Okwempo. Okwempo, how about you tell us about uh, yourself? Uh, hey, hi. That was a very elaborate introduction. You know, nothing uh, but the best right. for you guys. <laughs> With the that I have described. Okay, my uh, name is uh, yes. Okwe. I'm a designer for Paystack. Okay. I guess that's what got me on this podcast. Uh, I have worked for about two other startups before Paystack. Okay. Uh, one doing logistics, mm. delivery science. If the first one was e commerce, uh or Oh. Currently I offer Paystack payments processor um when Y C last year. Okay. Um founding team member, so I kinda know like a bit about everything that went down. That's yeah. that's pretty amazing. So yeah, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh Corey Day, how about you? Hi, I'm Corey Day, really. I'm uh sophomore computer science student at drexel university um i guess my claim, to claim here is that i intend at google for three months last summer so that's at least where a bunch of my expertise comes from um i've been writing code learning code for four and a half years now maybe okay. um i'm interested in a bunch of stuff machine learning uh web development i to get big in the open source space and build and things like that, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I have some pretty interesting ideas. I'm happy to share. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Mr. Bash, hey, uh, first of all, I think currently I've been too modest. We don't talk <laughs> <heard> about your <coughs> your time in yeah, Yaba building building that a lot of a lot of stuff. I've heard about the Nigerian ecosystem. I've been through you so uh, I appreciate you for that. I appreciate you for this introduction and I'm glad to be here. Um uh my name is Shagun Bash. I grew up in the I which I feel is my true country. So okay. <laughs> uh, ended up ended up as a product manager at Google. Wow. Uh did that a while and now I am wandering the planet, looking for my screen jumps moment. my startup, something else. Um i been an entrepreneur three times, three times. I still successfully, uh, I hope. Yeah, three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, considering the fact that I'm still uh, collecting employment, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we can touch that But uh, you know, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. I think it's part of the process. I think it's uh, part of the experience. And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it again. I recently left Google to. To pursue that dream and uh, head back to Nigeria. So, wow. I'm on my way back. Phenomenal. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, thank you guys for sharing your wonderful introductions. And uh, to my listeners. Bash is also being a bit modest. He's being a bit okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Bash is the yeah. uh, progenitor, if I may, of the Africans at Google Groups. Yeah, I know there's many Africans you will meet at Google who don't know the, the one and only Bash. Fantastic. <laughs> so, Fantastic. It's a big part, a big, amazing part of my experience as an intern there, so okay. we'll for that as well. All right. Wonderful. And guys. that's one of my heart, man. That's a tough, man. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so as you, can, as you guys have heard, my listeners, uh, these are three intelligent, accomplished, wonderful guests that uh, know a lot and they're going to share a lot with us. Um, so the, the the theme of this episode is... uh tech and Africa. I'm actually titling the episode Tech Saves Africa. The reason why is because I think that um, people from your industry have the potential to create ideas and create businesses and create perhaps even social entrepreneurship that significantly alters the way we behave as Africans, which is important for us to see any progress. Um. So, the, the, the title of this episode is called, uh, is, is themed around tech ideas that can significantly affect the African continent, and each of our guests is going to be talking, sharing ideas in a round robin fashion, they're going to each uh, say say an idea, then the next person talks about their idea, and each of them is going to share about three ideas slash problems, and uh, I'm going to start with you or What would be your first uh, major idea that you think could be significant to affecting the lives of Africans? Okay, so um first off uh Africans. Yes. I mean like uh if we're talking about technology to improve Africa, we're considering um things that are unique to every African country against like Mm -hmm. problems like that. uh, hello? Hello, the angle I'm covering. Okay. Yeah, considering um, all the countries I've been to, and kind of thinking about the unique problems across all these five or six different ethical countries. Okay. Um, so, I feel like the the first the obvious one is R. Oh. and yeah, because like everything else, um. Somehow, still. But, like, you know, a lot of things that make my life of Africans difficult all mm-hmm. stem from not having oh. um, power in like a lot of places. Okay. Um. So for me, first thing would be cheap renewable energy. I guess finding a very, a very sustainable way to use what winds. Um. <laughs> Uh people also oh. so I'm affordable by the the average family, the average house. Hmm. Yeah, for me like going energy will be the first thing. Okay. <laughs> Phenomenal. Fantastic. And uh, that's yeah. That's that's a that's a great idea. I haven't I had actually had an episode with uh two gentlemen who work in, in that industry, one as an actual worker, the other one as a researcher. Getting this page down, they essentially broke down the the way the issues are for most of our countries with a focus on Nigeria, um. And you guys can definitely check that out as well. Um. So let, let's let's move on to you, Corridor. What what would be your first idea? Um. I I'd say my first idea is kind of a of an intersection of two things. Okay. It you know, puts together a few things. It's a kind of urban planning and machine learning where the intersection of that could be. Mm. I really think that in like urban spaces, particularly in Africa, Lagos, Cairo, Juba, Cape Town, those places very rapidly growing cities, places that are growing much faster probably than any other city at any other point in time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the, the things we're afforded now with technology in terms of machine learning, in terms of being able to take massive amounts of data and mm-hmm. make sense of things and hyper-optimize to make sure we can really keep up with the pace of growth of these cities is. One place where a very massive opportunity lies, hmm. and right. I feel could really revolutionise the way cities cities grow, because I mean the population is only going to go higher and all that kind of thing. Right. So, if we can have a framework for you know reliable cities in terms of urban planning, roads and buildings and all that stuff, I feel like we could really be on the right track. To so far, to, exactly. so far to to dive a little deeper into that one, uh, would that be more? creating and machine and learning is, is as it sounds machines learning um, so <laughs> so, um, re- so the way I would describe it is maybe I should use an example of traffic for instance let's say mm-hmm. if we're trying to base where we build new roads right based off traffic so we're taking lots of data as to how many cars are going to certain points at different points in time we're mm-hmm. trying to look at that. I'm trying to make some mappings as to how or what would be the best place to, you know, build a new overpass or a new bridge or that kind of thing. Okay. This is just a, you know, quite trivial example, quite small only, but I think it shows the scope to some degree of how this can work. So the whole essence of machine learning is, you know, finding, you know, really efficient formulas or finding really efficient representations of things to help okay. us make predictions or, hmm. or do different things like that. So. Right. I really think there's an opportunity that lies there. I see. So it's uh, essentially urban planning based on having a machine to figure out, predict trends based on, you know, population growth. Indeed. Yeah, real estate growth, those kind of things. Fascinating. Indeed. Fascinating, fascinating. And uh, Mr. Bash, uh, it's your turn. Uh, yeah, uh, just one quick question or comment on that idea. Okay. I think one of the things that um, am if, if that's okay, I think. No, please, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, I think one one thing that strikes me as interesting is the, I don't have a strong understanding of what the velocity of urban development projects is, you know, if that makes sense. I feel like you can optimize, you can optimize decision making. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit of an echo. Is it, is it, that's fine. A, a, a little bit of an echo. Yes, I, I mean, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'd ask everybody to do. It. If you're not talking, do you mind uh, muting your, muting your, uh, okay. your phone temporarily. Okay. So Shagan, Shagan go ahead. Okay. Thanks, man. Um, so, uh, I I don't have a stronger understanding of what the, the velocity of urban development is. I do completely believe that there's probably more scientific decision making that can be happening there whether it's using ml models whether it's just having any kind of data to help people make decisions mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things that I'm curious about is if we found uh, as we look across Africa and maybe using Nigeria as a test case whether we, we, the guys on this kind of conversation know about any sources. Uh, any repositories where people are actually tracking what work is being done in the city. So like Lagos, for instance, hey, there's like a new road here, there's like any new public Works for this week I see. So, so in so I, I guess this is very strange. I didn't expect to have any any opinions I could add to this conversation. But um, my background is in construction. Um, so it's about what like, three and a half, four years now though, of construction and real estate development. And how in countries like the United States, where I currently work, is it, it works is that people almost as private institutions track these things as a uh, means for making profit so they can figure out where trends are and go buy real estate in the areas that seem to be developing. So there, there are information ah. repositories for those kind of things. And then if you want to look at the public side, there's always there always a structure of maintenance schedules to see uh, what roads need to be refixed. So that's always an indicator in some way and what roads are going to be expanded. Um, so there are always bids out. So if you, if you really, really pay attention um, and you'd like to compile that kind of stuff, you can't find it um, here. Because legally, I think they have to have okay. a lot of that information out there. But um, but in in Nigeria, I can't necessarily say the same exists. Um, we don't have very many places aggressively expanding at the same time. So it probably is less of a task to acquire that data from from scratch. Does that make sense? Got it. Got it, got it. Okay, so I think sorry, uh, we don't We don't know of any existing repository, but at the end of the day, you do think based on kind of your experience industry, the industry, right. um, you think it, it should be relatively easy to start collecting that if it doesn't exist already. Exactly. Indeed. Uh, uh, in addition to that, I, I believe, I know the guys at Budget MG that do stuff for like financial data from the government and stuff. I'm not sure it's very possible that they also do stuff in terms of like public works projects and things like that. Maybe not specifically on, you know, too many details in the data, but maybe on like the financial side of those Uh, kind of road projects and things like that. So if there's any place you're going to check for that kind of data, I definitely recommend there. Okay, makes sense. Very cool. All right, and your idea. Okay. Yes. So my my, my, uh, kind of leading thought idea I think one of the interesting things, the the way to achieve it could be a leapfrog with using ML, with using uh, a significant portion of the AI to kind of figure this stuff out. But I think at the base, at the base level, we need credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. We need a way to track the different kinds of uh, financial or credit related activities of a, an African citizen might be uh, engaged in. Hmm. Um, I think the way it works in the U.S. is fascinating. Uh, there's three people that everyone just sends information to. Right. Uh, so that they can get information back. Right. Uh, it seems like such a basic uh, fundamental uh, building block that right. I'm always kind of surprised to see we don't have anything this kind of background. Maybe I'm just not very aware So, uh, my big groundbreaking idea is to just give us our first reliable credit bureau in a market like Nigeria. That's the market I know the best. Right. I've spent some time in a couple of other countries, uh, but I can't say I know intimately what their financial systems look like. Understood. Yeah. Understood. And uh, the the way it seems to work there is very, it seems very basic, you know, because you want to accrue credit, credit rating. You give up credit information and credit tracking to institutions like Equifax, Transun- uh, TransUnion, and all of the above. Um, so, so, but, but, that, doesn't that come with some risks as far as that? Like, you know, I've, I've heard people talk about how you know, data, then data security becomes a risk if you see the recent uh, Equifax breach where pretty much half of all Americans have their information, pretty, pretty much half of everybody that has their information the American system has their uh, data breach, so all those kind of things. Um, th- Don't you think there's that additional, how do you navigate that additional risk that seems to have uh, sprung itself yeah. up by having singular repositories uh. of so much information? I leave that to the brainiacs like Query did a to school for security <laughs> and wonderful things. I feel, I, feel, I feel like we're we're in an increasingly digital world. Yeah. The risk of uh the risk of digital theft is an ever present concern. Like it's never going away at this point. It right. only increases as time or, you know, T plus one. Like as we move forward it's just going to increase. So I think, I definitely think it is a valid risk, right. but the the pros, as we can see, of having a reliable way to say, this person is worthy and this person is not, mm. um, and having that information, essentially be democratized, right? right? I think part of the challenge we have in Africa, Nigeria, more specifically, as I can speak to, is that a lot of people think about this a lot of organizations think about this very selfishly, mm. but the problem is, if you're a single bank, if it's a single app, you can't build uh, you can't build a robust and well-rounded uh, knowledge of a person's credit worthiness by just focusing on just your services. All right, you need other people to play. Mm. Right, you need to know that the guy came to you got a loan. Being paid back, went to this other person, rented an apartment here. Right. They said, you need to know all these different things. And the only way to get that information is to essentially say, guys, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compete with your services. I see. Like, I'm not going to be a lender, for instance, right? That's the only lenders uh, But I'm not going to, you know, let, I'm not going to rent people homes. Right. So that's the way it's the pretty business much business business business. a third party and tired. Exactly. Uh, Third-factor entirely. Uh, this, or, um, like, have I missed something huge about the fundamental building block of Nigeria's financial system? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if you're... <laughs> but, okay, yeah, I was waiting for you guys, so um, I have comments on both of the... Please, Both go of them and... So, one of the most interesting things I, I feel like, to me, uh, is that... For so for high level problems that we have in, I, I'm just gonna keep saying Nigeria because that's that's my scope. Yeah. Sure, for yeah. high level problems we have in Nigeria, you can always take it down to like basic basic problems, um, and that's kind of like where everything usually goes wrong. From um, we have a serious in Nigeria. Uh, there are a couple of uh, like already mentioned. Um, Organizations that are trying to curate some form of data, like make all these repositories, there is budget, like you mentioned. The budget is focused on um, government accountability. There is a uh, localdata.ng, <laughs> and they also are trying to, yeah, make repositories of data. They 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 have like spread of water points um, and some other like yeah but ultimately the data they have is still very <laughs> uh, I don't know how to put it it's oh. almost like every every, every year is really sparse and everybody's just trying to like start from scratch and just like make sense of the oh. absence of any form of organized data right. so you have multiple Nigerian um, agencies FRC. um so I so, I don't know why it's only a virus that comes to mind now. But there are different government agencies, and they don't have a single, um, they don't have a single database that they can pull okay. and sync uh, data to. So, so like, for me, for me, government level, we don't have social security numbers. Like, yeah. we don't have anything that can really be used to. And They're trying. They they start introducing um, national identity and national identity numbers right. and a bunch of stuff. But we're still so far behind, and the government doesn't really help with like anything. Else. so there is no like you, you have to start everything from scratch, yeah. which is which is one of the major problems with like startups in uh, um, Nigeria. Everything you want to do, you have to start from scratch. So you want to. Um, for example, so um there's Pelita and Piggy Bank. Mm. Uh is start um they give out loans to people, micro lending. Um mm-hmm. Piggy Bank on the other hand is uh, is a savings app. So I, I believe in the future they look to be in a Bank, I guess, but for now it's just people save money with Piggy Bank. Mm. And I think last week, um in Tech About Newsletter they talk uh Simon talked about Piggy bank and paylet working together. Mm. Um, so, I are starting to exchange. Like They're starting to realize that it makes more sense to bring your data, bring my data. Let's find a way to get. So, you have data on people and how they save. I have data on people and um, how they borrow, mm. uh, um, defaults and stuff. So, maybe working together to so wow. like merge this data so is going to help everybody, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah. outside of all these small small new startups okay. um, there's really nothing that the government has provided you with to to do I, I, I don't know how to explain this so I, talking about roads now right I'm pretty sure it will be very difficult hmm. to find almost impossible I I'm tell like I'm as pessimistic as I'm. like <laughs> it would be almost impossible to find of well, all bad roads. Or roads that need to be fixed. Right. Even in Lagos. Huh. Like... Because things are basic. So... There's a, there's a... If you know Yabba well, there's... The main Yaba road is ebra Macaulay. Right. ebra Macaulay right. yeah. And there's hardly ever a time when ebra Macaulay is not bad. Fair enough. So, if they fix a patch in the upper part of the road, the lower part of the road will get bad. If they fix one here, another one pops up there. Right. And you see yes. something like basic as just making a road smooth, mm-hmm. people are going to manage a log of odd paddles they need to fix, mm, <laughs> probably <right>. not. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the crazy thing, maybe I've taken the wrong turn in this my journey to come back to Nigeria as the first Come on now. <laughs> First. Sure. Um, wh- while while he's while he's taking a second right there, um, how about we how about we put a put his on the table and then have Ockramico talk about his next set of ideas um, that he finds. Okay. Do you, you mind if I make some comments in that regard? Oh yes, yes. Please go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, like Ockramico mentioned, the government a lot, and this is actually going to roll into my other idea. So both he both talked both about how the government isn't doing so much stuff, and at the same time how startups within the ecosystem particularly in lagos are you know starting to find ways to collaborate so i'm at least what i'm looking towards in the future the way i would certainly hope to see this going and the way it does kind of look like it's growing is you know more cohesiveness amongst the startups and Mm -hmm. potentially a way that these startups you know through their growing influence through growing numbers of users through growing funding and things like that start to even change the way the government does things Uh, and this, this, this is something you, you see in places like the US, I mean, Google, Facebook, massive companies, they inevitably put the way they do things, cause the government to, you know, mm-hmm. start to think about new ways to, I mean... Yeah, because they the compete Obama with the Obama government. In some the exactly, the Obama administration was the first to have a CTO that was, you know, obviously influenced somehow by tech companies and how they happen to do things and the emphasis they put on different things. So mm-hmm. so that's definitely where hope the season is going. Okay. Yeah, we could. Let's circle back to our friend and hopefully right. talk more about and, this. And just, just to address um, our first point about the roads, um, one thing I find that is starkly different between the way we build things in Nigeria versus here is that the, the almost anal level of detail that they focus on everything here is is almost absurd. For example, if you had to build a road, you don't just say you're building a road. Every road is broken up into, you know, probably one mile segments that they fix at a time right maybe even less than that maybe half or quarter mile segments and all of them in their database it's like quarter one quarter two quarter three so it's very very segmented and even within that there's like base layer there's you know uh, gravel all that kind of stuff is broken up into pieces so that they can track every part of every road building and see what part is deteriorating based on time and experience and all that kind of stuff so i just think that it's it's part of just not necessarily doing things well enough and it's what you're what you guys are referencing, a lack of data or a lack of willingness to even use data that already exists, um, is part of the issue a lot of the times. Um, I think Bash is back. Bash, is that you? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I apologize. I apologize for that. Book. Um, I two things that pop up that come to mind as I just listen to the conversation, guys. Right? So, uh, as much I, I. I I think a lot about problems and in in that vein I find myself gravitating towards solutions so, or uh some hot ideas, right? As as we think about these things. And one of the things that strikes me is that uh or one of the things that comes back to me is that I don't know if you guys knew this startup of causal This was back in the beginning of kind of like the African tech. Yeah, okay, uh, system. yeah. It was yeah, it was, uh, the White African, Oriol Kolo, those guys, mm. the, 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 early folks from IHUB in, in Kenya. And, uh, they essentially built this platform that was essentially, it was, uh, you know, pre-Pokemon Go world reporting, right? Or real oh. world, uh, gaming in <laughs> some sense. So, you, you just is, all you, you could just leave, leave it essentially guilt and Messages, hmm. right? And they use it for a bunch of. They did it as an open as an open source platform, such that they could report like election violence and things like that. Wow. But um, I thought, oh, I that's I a related. What? I I thought I, I thought I heard about them using it to tr- also track uh um like civil development. So, I see. Like if there's a problem in the road, you can essentially tag. In the pothole right here. Oh, wow. Right. I am standing on. Right. And, up, right? Right. and um, so when it comes to repositories of data about problems in cities, I'm very surprised because I feel like I've heard of startups trying this. I'm very surprised that this is not something that we don't have like a solid repository of like, oh, these are all the broken roads in just Lagos. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because it would be very easy. Um it'll be very easy for the, the, the kind of common citizen to help develop the, the city by reporting. That data set, you right. know? Yeah. yeah. But the crowdsource. I know, I know. Yeah, crowdsource. <laughs> I know a key problem, right? I know a key problem with that is that that data is only as useful as your ability to verify. Use it, it to motivate. Oh, I see. Um, government to take action. Ah, uh, so so people so, are only as storage wonder. as the, the, the roads get fixed, right? Exactly. Uh, i see. It's, it's like, yeah. in, I've been reporting for two years, <laughs> I nothing has changed, right? Um, yeah, exactly. I don't know how that second half of the coin works. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know how that second half of the coin works as to whether there's some, you know, if we did have all this data, like, who would you work for us? Listen, I have this thing. This thing broken here, it's broken here, it's broken there. Like, right. you can go to your local government, you can go to FRC directly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works. And and the, the additional and maybe that is the broken point. Yeah, and the additional challenges in fact, and the fact that if you were to build something like that and try to make it so for everybody, right? Let's say it's a, it's very democratic. Everybody sees where all the potholes are. So let's say you have areas with you know super high concentration of potholes. Pot uh, the way the government typically think, thinks about fixing roads is, is not always the way people think about fixing roads. Sometimes we think that's always wherever the, the worst damage is, that it should be fixed. Whereas the government is thinking about, you know, where is more... Ah, uh, activity election boards, Right, election votes. Right, election votes Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so you know, those are other challenges layered up, upon what you just mentioned, uh, Bash. Um, so, so let's roll back to o- 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 Professor. you can give us a second round. Start off the second round of ideas. Okay, so before I start, um, yes, sir. But I was just gonna ask you, you were talking about identity being a fundamental challenge. But B V N has popped up, right? And mm-hmm. I know it's only twenty five million out of the one seventy million that we have in the country. Yeah. But why isn't B V N the right way for us to have a foundational tracking system uh across the country to say, Hey, this is this person and then I can start saying this is this or is this person's good or bad behavior. Yeah. Uh, BVN is definitely a good start. Um, It's it's much more limited than we think it is. There's a greater idea around BVN than the actual implementation. Um, But I figure that it's a progressive thing, and over time, hopefully, the government cares enough to find a way to using BVN where they started, connect everything together in such a way that I already did my biometrics at FRC. I don't have to do it again when I go somewhere else. Right. So I that's see. moving forward. So one thing I wanted to start with um around is that I feel like there's a there's a distinct um when we talk about technology these days, we usually we frequently refer to startups. Mm-hmm. Um, um People coming back, or people here just realizing problems and figuring out ways to solve them. Right. But um there was a pre-startup technology phase. There was like industrialization in like many places. Mm-hmm. There's like China does like a lot of uh, production yeah, and manufacturing. Uh, there's there's like all these different places that had their phases. There was still in America, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they like all these different places have their technology. It is, it is. But so far in Nigeria, or in Africa mostly, we've been largely consumers of this technology. Yeah. Um, and we've been terrible because we've consumed technology but we haven't been able to maintain it. Um, which is a huge reason why we're where we are now. It's just people, at the end of the day, people are just terrible at... Um, maintaining or caring enough about technology and how it affects us, um, as a people. Mm. So bring me to my second point and which is why I when I when I make my points, I keep going back to fundamental things because I realise that everything else goes down to that. Like I told you I work in startups. I yeah. go to Paystak every day, I work at PayStar, I work at the science. I know how much you spend on, for example, this week, mm. um every week. All that money going into just keeping your office like um, yeah. And you're burning money on that end. Yeah, uh, it's very difficult to get any form of data. So you're spending money, more money than you need to. Well, you're going to run out of money before you even have a chance to make any difference with mm-hmm. um, what you're trying to do. I see. So my second, um, the second thing I'll do if I could, like, attempt to help Nigeria, Africa with technology, is food science <laughs> So. First figure out. Yeah. Now everybody can buy this tiny thing and you put it on your head and you power your entire house with yeah. the size of the cell phone. Yeah. Also that's cool, number one. Yeah. Then we go to food search. Um food is usually like at least in Nigeria, made very far from where it's consumed. Yeah. And so do know the numbers? I wish I researched the numbers before I came on here. But there's a large um, percentage amount of food that's wasted in between like harvesting at farm, and percent. then transporting it to consumers. And that's why like a lot of times food is very expensive. Yeah. Um. So we talk about people, government, bad governance, bad management. The roads are bad. Yeah. Um. They're mismanaging everything uh, with petroleum, and so we can't even though we produce. Um, cool off, we can't really buy really really cheap petrol mm-hmm. so roads are bad um, a lot of money spent on fixing trucks, a lot of money spent on buying fuel mm-hmm. uh, there's no good storage, you add all that together and you have people coming back to Lagos with 20% of like harvest, that's a very small number but I mm-hmm. hope it's much higher than that but you right. have people coming back to Lagos with a very small percentage of what ideally is supposed to be available for people to uh, buy and eat, and that equals to expensive um, food. Right. Uh, like we know, food is <laughs> everybody has to eat. Yeah. So problem, I found know, another problem. It yeah. to be figuring out a way to store food. Hmm. Transportation can come later, like figuring out fastest way with transport and stuff. Like that. But just making sure that even if the truck has to make three trips between Kano and Lagos, right? right? Um, When they go, when they harvest, everything or almost everything they harvest is going to make you to Lagos at some point, even though it takes like a long time back and forth. Not like you'll transport 20% and everything else just goes back and Yeah. So that would be my second. Phenomenal. Fantastic. And and, uh, do you think there's any existing technology elsewhere that perhaps could be leveraged towards food storage? Or is this like, would we be inventing the wheel? I know uh, so a friend of mine was very interested in this one time and he said he was going to do the research i told him to keep me updated but i don't really think that one. well uh, but i know there are people that are currently trying to this you know, they're currently trying to either adopt and so testing um what, what you think of storage uh, the the universal solutions for storage Premeditate premeditates of certain things. They build storage solutions knowing fully well that they have power. Right. So when oh. you bring it if you if you're trying to adopt certain things from other countries in like Nigeria, mm-hmm. you'll be yeah. surprised that it won't really work because, because of the lack of power. Just some fundamental things don't work. Yeah. So yeah. um the solutions to this are not things that are it requires like people that have similar problems. Mm. To start, think, which is where technology comes in. It requires us to look at other countries that have these problems, I have smart people that are really good with engineering, and people that have studied in other countries, people that studied locally. Mm-hmm. All these people come together to say, "Okay, we have this problem. Even if it requires adapting something else has been done um, in other countries for a particular crime, mm-hmm. um, but it, it, you will have to." I don't want to call it reinventing the wheel because like taking a step back. Right. But yeah. But very technology will have to be dumber. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It will, it will have to be more suited for okay. So imagine if people imagine if um higher chemical, I know they don't have any incentive, so, but imagine if higher chemical made a fridge mm. that could last for for three days. Right. Like you 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 plug in the fridge or freezer for right. For a certain amount of. Hours, right. and for the next three days, it's going to keep running. Right. Ah, right. I see. That is like a uniquely suited solution for um, countries where they, um, there is no constant power. Right? right. I see. And that way, you know, if you're buying diesel, you just have to buy diesel for one day, right, and your stuff doesn't go bad. All your freezers are going to work for the next three days. Right. But how profitable is that going to be to cool for them to start making things like that at scale? That's true. Right. that's true they have to be sh- they have to be sure that okay if we're going to invest I research uh, research money time everything into building something like this mm-hmm. there's hundreds of people that not what can I say hundreds of thousands of people that are going to need and buy this thing right. and a lot of time, the, the use case is not that you know strong it's not large enough so okay. what you have is you'll see in the news or oh, somebody builds a fridge that lasts for three days or somebody and those things are not usually as Good, mm-hmm. I guess, as because it's just people just trying. Right. You understand what I'm saying? People just, are just right. trying to build. So it requires a lot more people coming together, to, which is brings me back to a startup. This is why um, mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting to see PE Bank, for example, and uh, Pelita working together. Mm-hmm. It's like people just need to start realizing that um, we have similar problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe we should start taking time off to. That's solving common problems that hmm. we all have across board. I see. Uh, put heads together, put some money together, and make it easier. Instead of waiting for... So this data collection now, mm-hmm. I, I, in my head, it's like, if we wanted to improve how much data we had in Africa, mm-hmm. it would require everybody, for example, agreeing to give them some mm-hmm. amount of data. By and putting it in this, exactly, putting it in this, in this um, central place right. managed by completely a completely, um, a completely different body, right, right. and hopefully maybe even crowdfunded, so that we know that there's no allegiance to anybody. People. Right. That's, yeah. Which is so the, the banks, for example. You know, like if you have to build a like payment wheel in Nigeria, for example, you have to talk to all the banks. Yeah. You have to have conversations with all of banks one after the other, um, because. I mean, there's no central thing. Everybody does, and just okay, just keep their own thing. So yeah, um, hmm. I, I feel like I'm bearing enough. No, no, that, that that's, interesting time, that's That's a fantastic <laughs> but, um, set of points. Um, and and especially with food storage being such a critical thing, and even beyond, um, even beyond just transportation, you know, weather changes, uh, low low yield seasons, and all those kind of things. Um, exactly. Long-term solutions mm-hmm. to food storage could definitely. Change the change again. I mean, if if we're a country that guarantees that our people never go hungry, that's at least one major thing we we manage to sort out. We can manage that one. Yes, exactly. If uh, if you can eat, you know, that, you know, that's 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 a pretty good, uh, place to start from. For day, uh, let's let uh, your thoughts. Um, I, I was just going to run through something. I feel like lots of the things we talk about when we talk about you know the government not being reliable enough with regards to this or that mm-hmm. all over Africa usually draws back to corruption. Right. Really, you know terrible, deeply ingrained corruption and and when you talk about corruption, I remember when the Buhari regime first came in, the one thing I just really hoped that if they didn't do anything we would do was to, you know, bring a new level of transparency to the way the government operates. Right. Because I mean if a very reliable framework for transparency can be built yeah. at least within the government and also For the people, then I feel like we could definitely, at least to some degree, even if, you know, things aren't working as perfectly, at least we might have some idea as to why they're not working as perfectly or this or that. So it's, um, you know, within, within like large tech companies, there's systems for logging and accountability perpetually for. Everything that goes on in the company, whether it's access to some kind of data or that, you know, issues that mm-hmm. exist in different fragments of the companies and things like that. So I feel that the government, we could really, or potentially if we get the government to move in that direction, it could really, really change things for the better. Mm-hmm. And how, how I see this potentially working is, again, calling back to how I feel, Startups could really influence the government in certain ways. If you know, startups as they continue to grow bigger, start to make this the way they work in terms of how they encourage transparency and accountability, maybe even not necessarily externally, but internally within the companies, and start to push the government to do the same. I mean, as the startups work more and more with the government, because that's Mm -hmm. inevitable. So, um, yeah, I don't know if my thoughts were a bit jumbled. No, no, no. They, they, track, definitely, they definitely make sense, and is that your second tech idea, or do you, have, you still have one? Um, I mean, that one kind of cascades into you know how the ecosystem does this and that. I but think uh, that. yeah, on a high level, that is the idea. Okay. But so, my question for you, and and for the other gentlemen on the podcast as well, is that do you think just culturally we're ready? You know, because in some societies, added transparency leads to you know, significant political backlash or, you know, anger and protests in the, street, in the streets. But if we somehow learn today that Buhari is still $1 billion every day, not that he does, I'm not making any investigations <laughs> and it's clear that we all do, and we all learn this together and we're able to check and verify that that is accurate, would we, as a society, do anything about it? So that concludes part one of the series. Part two will be airing in about two weeks. I look forward to sharing that with you guys and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Bye.